I'm glad you guys are with us, and for those of you who are online, we're glad y'all are tuning in as well. My name is David, and I'm the pastor here at Stonebridge. If you've got a Bible, you can turn to Zechariah 4, Zechariah chapter 4. And one thing that I, I want to ask you to do, we have an app. You probably don't know that, but we do. And um, if you go to that app, there's a, under events, there's an there's a event, it's called the Seven Walls. You can get this through our email as well. It'll take you to a link. The seven walls, are, they're these institutions in a city that God can use to bless the people of the city. The church, the family, education, the government, legal world, business, science and medicine, arts and culture. And God wants to work through each one of those institutions. We call them walls. That's from Isaiah. We want to be rebuilders of broken walls. God wants to work through those walls to bless the city. I don't mean every, everyone who works in those areas is a Christian or even if those things are Christianized. It just means that God uses them as channels of his grace. And so uh, on, this, on the app under that event tab, or if you go, through it, go, uh, go to it through the website or through your email, um, there's just a few questions that I want you to answer your name and where you work. That's really what I want to know. Do you, are you actively working in one of those areas? And if so, if you just write your name down. Uh, we pray through those walls on a regular basis. And I used to know everybody and kind of know where they were, and I just don't anymore. There's more people uh, than I can kind of keep up with. And so it just helps us when we're praying if we know where people are, where people are actively engaged so we can pray for you by name. So if you wouldn't mind, go to that app or, again, go through the link in the email. And it's just, again, it's just two or three questions, and that will help us pray for you. I would appreciate it. All right, Zechariah 4. So February 15th, 519 BC, Zechariah has eight visions. So this is five months after the returnees have started rebuilding the temple. And I'm wondering if it's kind of like how we are the third or fourth week of January. We've made these New Year's resolutions and we're gonna eat better and we're gonna go to the gym and all that stuff. And then three or four weeks in, we're like, there was a reason I didn't do this stuff last year. Like it's hard, it's not a lot of fun. And I'm wondering if five months in to rebuilding, if the guys are like, this is really hard work and it's not a lot of fun. And if their enthusiasm is starting to wane a little bit. And so on this night, February 15th, God gives Zechariah the prophet eight visions to encourage the people. I don't know if that's what's going on. I'm just kind of thinking human nature that may be what's happening. So today we're going to look at the fifth vision that God gave to Zechariah. Then the angel who talked with me returned and woke me up like someone awakened from sleep. And he asked me, what do you see? I answered, I see a solid gold lampstand with a bowl at the top and seven lamps on it with seven channels to the lamps. Also, there are two olive trees by it, one on the right of the bowl and the other on its left. He asked the angel who talked with me, what are these, my Lord? And he answered, do you know what these are? No, my Lord, I don't. So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. What do you mighty mountain before Zerubbabel? You will become level ground. Then he will bring out the capstone to shouts of God bless it, God bless it. Then the word of the Lord came to me. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands will also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. Who dares despise the day of small things? Since the seven eyes of the Lord that reigns throughout the earth will rejoice when they see the chosen capstone in the hand of Zerubbabel. Then I asked the angel, what are these two olive trees on the right and the left of the lampstand? 
And again, I asked him, what are these two olive branches beside the two gold pipes that pour out golden oil? And he replied, do you not know what these are? No, my Lord, I said. So he said, these are the two who are anointed to serve the Lord of all the earth. So we're going to look at this kind of like a sandwich. The bread, the outside is verses one through four and verses 11 through 15. So that's kind of what we'll call the vision proper. And then the meat, the inside, that's verses five through 10. That's this word of encouragement to Zerubbabel, who, who is the governor of Judah. So he's the highest ranking political or civic leader of, uh, of Judah. Uh, so the, the bread, the, the outer ring. So the angel who's been helping Zechariah understand the first four visions, maybe Zechariah's in kind of a trance or something. He kind of wakes him up. What are you seeing? Then he describes three things that he sees. Two olive trees that are on either side of a gold lampstand with a bowl on top. So this is not, if you're thinking lampstand in the Old Testament, you're probably thinking of something like a menorah. That's not what this looked like. This is different from any lamp described in the Old Testament. There's a picture there up on the screen that may, maybe, Zechariah doesn't give us a lot of detail, a bowl that maybe is pinched around the perimeter in seven different places filled with oil, wicks in each one of those pinch points, which would have been then seven lamps, uh, lamps burned olive oil. So a golden lamp stand, a bowl at the top that's full of oil with seven pinch points, each of which has a wick in it. So it's got seven lights, seven lamps. The olive trees are funneling their oil into the bowl. So they've got their pipes or channels that are running from the trees to the bowl and olive oil is flowing from the trees directly into the bowl, which is fueling the, the light, fueling the lamps. Does that make sense? So that's the picture. And so Zechariah says, well, what, what does this mean? What do these things mean? Is he just referring to the two trees? Is he referring to the two trees and the lampstand? If it's me, I'm asking what all of it means. The angel only responds about the trees. He doesn't seem to say anything about the lampstand. And I say that because after Zechariah says, what do these mean? You don't know. No, I don't know. And there's this word of encouragement about Zerubbabel. But I don't think Zerubbabel's a lampstand. I think he's one of the two trees. Because at the end of the vision, that bottom piece, that other piece of the bread, the bottom piece, Zechariah circles back. What do the olive trees mean? They're the two who are anointed to serve the Lord of the earth. And I think the two, one is Joshua, who's the high priest. We looked at him last week. And the other is Zerubbabel, the governor. So you have the highest ranking religious leader, the high priest, the highest ranking political civic leader, the governor. They've been anointed by God for a particular work. In the Old Testament, anointing ceremonies involved dumping oil on the head of the person who was anointed. You can think about Samuel the prophet when he anointed David to be king. He dumps oil on his head, which is a way of saying you're set apart for and empowered to do this work of being the king. And so to me, the oil coming from the tree signifies or symbolizes their anointing, the anointing that God has placed on Joshua as a high priest, on Zerubbabel as the governor to do the work of leading the people in rebuilding the temple. In Ezra 5, we see Joshua and Zerubbabel lead the people in building the temple. The prophets Haggai and Zechariah are supporting them. They're with them in the work. But those two guys are the leaders. I think they're the trees. 
And so I think the lampstand, I can't prove this, it's just my guess. I think the lampstand is the temple, mostly because that's the work that they were called to do. That's what they were anointed to do, to lead the people in rebuilding the temple. So I think the lampstand represents the temple. In the Bible, light is often a metaphor for God's presence. At this point in time, God's presence lives in the temple. So we have two trees, I think Zechariah and Joshua, anointed by God, oil flows into this work, rebuilding the temple, which is where God will live. That's my take on the vision. The meat of the sandwich, that's where we wanna spend most of our time, these words of encouragement to Zerubbabel, who is the governor. It's easy for me and maybe for you to forget how big a job it was to rebuild the temple. So in 1 Kings 6, the dimensions of the temple are laid out 90 feet by 30 feet. There's a potential picture or a, a, a guess at, at a picture of the temple based on a description in 1 Kings 6. So 2,700 square feet, so a pretty good size. And it's three stories tall, 45 feet high. That's a lot of block. There's a lot of wood inside of it. That was all burned by the Babylonians when they destroyed it. So you can imagine, you've seen a house that's been hit, that's been demolished, and you see how much wreckage that leaves. Now, imagine 2,700 square feet, three stories high. Again, some of it's burned out, but a lot of it's just, it's just piles of blocks. And the Babylonians didn't clean up after themselves. They just left the pile of rubble. You don't have a bulldozer. You don't have a backhoe. You don't have a dump truck you've got a right arm and a left arm. That's what you have to clear the site and then to lug the rest of the, their new materials there to, to rebuild. It's hard work. It's a massive job. And I'm wondering five months in if the guys are going, come on. We were super excited back in September when we said yes to this. Now it's February. We're not so excited anymore. And in the midst of that, God says to Zerubbabel, the most famous line in Zechariah, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Might is literally strength. If I'm Zerubbabel and I see a pile of bricks and blocks, the first thing I'm doing is I'm looking around to see who can help me move them. I'm looking for strength. Who can help me? Again, I don't have a bulldozer. I don't have a backhoe. I don't have a, I don't have a bobcat. I don't have anything. I've got 42,000 people. That's what I've got. Who can help me move them? Not by power. That's, that word uh, means any human, it's, it's our ability to get things done. So again, if I'm the leader, I'm thinking about my ability to motivate people, to organize people, to strategize. How can I tackle this project? And what God says to Zerubbabel is it's not by might. It's not by the strength of the people you got. It's not by power. It's not by y'all's ability to figure things out and get things done. It's by my spirit. I'm gonna be the one that accomplishes this work through you. What are you, mighty mountain, in front of Zerubbabel? You're nothing. So that's both literal and me metaphorical. The temple was on a hill. It's called the Temple Mount. Again, so you've got this rubble you gotta take down. You've got the new materials you gotta bring up. It's hard taking that stuff up a hill. And metaphorically, they've already been intimidated. They've already been frightened. They didn't work for 16 years out of sin and fear, both mingled together. And God is saying, those obstacles are not insurmountable. I'm gonna make a way. This work is going to get done. How long is it gonna take? 
Great, God, I'm glad that you're gonna do it. How Am I gonna be alive to see it? It took Solomon's guys seven years to build the first temple. He had 150,000 people who were constantly working. And then he had this rotating group of 30,000. So if you were in that 30,000, 10,000 would work one month and then you'd be off two. And then you'd work a month and then you'd be off two. So you've got a rotating group of 10,000 and a permanent labor pool of 150,000 plus foremen. That's a lot of folks. And it took them seven years. Zerubbabel has 42,000, about 360 people. And that's men, women, old, and young. They've been in the land for 17 years. So any kids they've had, the oldest one is 17. I have some of those. They're wonderful. They're not tons of help. You don't have a lot of folks to help you move. No offense, this is sexist. It's hard work. Half the people are women. Some of them are old. He's looking at his folks and going, Who, who's going to help me move the bricks? How long is this going to take? And God says, Zerubbabel, you laid the foundation. You're going to lay the capstone. That's the last block you put in a building. You started it. You're going to finish it. He doesn't give him an exact time frame, but he says, during your lifetime, during your tenure, this is going to happen. Don't despise the day of small things. Your Bible may say the day of small beginnings. I don't think that's speaking about the, the grandeur of the, this temple compared to the first one we've already seen. That was an issue for some of the older folks who'd seen Solomon's temple, and this one wasn't as, wasn't as impressive. What I think it, God is speaking about, he's saying, don't treat with contempt or with scorn the, the little amount of progress that you've made in five months. Don't get discouraged. It's not nothing. The seven eyes of the Lord, seven number of completeness, eyes, knowledge. The, the, the God who knows everything and sees everything. He rejoices when he sees, your Bible may say the plumb line or the capstone. It's the same word. It can be translated two different ways. When the, when the Lord sees either the plumb line or the capstone in Zerubbabel's hand, he rejoices. Why? The plumb line, that was used to make sure a wall was vertical. So you would use that kind of early on in construction. So the seven eyes of the Lord, the Lord who knows everything, when he sees Zerubbabel just getting started, he rejoices because he knows Zerubbabel is going to finish. Or if it's the capstone, here at the beginning, five months in, you're not even close to needing a capstone. The God who knows everything can already see into the future and he knows it's going to be Zerubbabel who places it. Either way, says it's communicating the same truth. God is confident. This God who knows and sees everything. Zerubbabel started the work. He's going to finish the work. How encouraging would that be for him? Chapter four focuses on Joshua. Chapter, excuse me, vision four focuses on Joshua. Vision five focuses on Zerubbabel. It is about encouraging those two guys as leaders. It also affirms their leadership to the people as a whole. Hey, God's, God's given us these guys to lead us. We need to do what they say. We need to follow their example. God's anointed them for this work. It would have been encouraging not just for those two men, but for everybody who is a part of the project. For us, you've already made the connection that, again, most well-known verse in Zechariah, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Uh, just like that, that word was given to Zerubbabel, it's also given to us. And the thing I want you to hear is it was given to Zerubbabel in his role as the governor. 
in his job. It wasn't not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord, before Zerubbabel went on a short-term mission trip, or before he stood up to preach a sermon, or before he led a small group, or before he prayed for somebody who was sick to be healed. It wasn't the things that we think of as ministry. It was to do his, basically at this point, Zerubbabel's a project manager. He's got a group of people and he's got to figure out how to organize them to build a building. It's a super important building, but it's construction. He's a project manager. I don't say that to belittle. I say that to say it's regular work. God set him apart and anointed him to do his job. And for how many of us, Whatever it is that you get up to do on Monday, if that's balancing the budgets or seeing patients or teaching math or running a household or changing diapers or building houses or selling insurance, whatever it is that gets you up on Monday morning, do you see that as something that God has both called you to and wants to empower you to accomplish, whether that's inside or outside the home, whether it's paid or unpaid, that doesn't matter. The thing that God has called you to do, the thing that takes up your time Monday to Friday, do you recognize God's offered me his spirit? He said, not by might, not based on your own strength, not by power, not by your ability to get things done, your ability to push the right buttons and pull the right levers. That's not how this thing's gonna get done. It's gonna get done by my spirit. How many of us leave that incredible offer on the table Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday? And we do that because for many of us, we don't feel like our job is ministry. It feels secular. It doesn't feel like it has anything to do with the kingdom. The first person in the Bible who was filled with the Holy Spirit, his name was Bezalel, and he was a craftsman. And he did help build the tent of meeting, which is the precursor to the temple. He was an artisan. In the Old Testament, the people who were filled with the Spirit were guys like kings and guys like warriors and guys like leaders. It's work that we may look at and say, well, that, from our perspective, that's secular work. God anointed them. He empowered them with his Spirit to accomplish those purposes. If God has put you in the place that you're in, then the promise to you is, here's my spirit to empower you to do that work. If you would say, I don't think I've been put, put in this place by God, that's a different question. Don't quit tomorrow. But I would begin to ask God about that. Kind of that Jim Collins, are you in the right seat? On the right, are you in the wrong seat on the right bus? Or are you on the wrong bus completely? And those are questions that we can talk about and pray about and see how God would lead you. But in general, the assumption is I am where I am because God has put me there. And if he's put me there, then he wants to empower me in that work. But for many of us, we don't see our work as really spiritual, as really touching anything eternal or kingdom oriented. Those seven walls, that's a great grid for us. God wants to work through every one of those. And he wants to work through you who are involved in those areas of vocation. For some of us, it's a curse of competence. The better we get at something, then the less we recognize our need. That just makes sense. You do something for long enough, you get good at it. You get promoted because you're good. You get raises, you get plaques on your wall. People tell you you're great. And pretty soon that happens often enough 
that you forget actually need the Lord. Probably for many of us, the last time we, we uh, openly or intentionally, consciously said, God, I need your help in my job was probably our first day or our first week in a new role. That's when we recognize, I don't know what I'm doing. But once we started doing it for a while, we get good at it. And it's easy to go on autopilot. It's easy to rely on our own strength and our own power. As you get better at something, your confidence increases, which is great. It's good to have confidence, but that also undermines our sense of neediness. The better we are at something, the easier it is for us to lean on our own might and our own power. And here's the deal. There are plenty of people who are incredibly successful in their jobs, completely apart from the work of the Holy Spirit, from the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Tons of them. 1 Corinthians 3, all of that stuff burns. You only have two options. You either do things in your flesh, your own power and your own might, or you do things in the Spirit, anointed by God, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And anything that we do in our flesh, it doesn't make it through the refining fire. It can't. The only things that make it through are the things that are done in the power of the Spirit. So in a sense, you can be successful apart from the Spirit of God, but it's only temporary. It's all going to burn. So why not take advantage of the offer on the table to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to do the work that God has called you to do and to repeat it again, the work I'm referring to is what you're doing tomorrow. It's not quote-unquote ministry or it's all ministry, however you want to see it. God has placed you where he's placed you and your job is just as much uh, part of God's plan and purposes as my job. It's just as much part of God's plans and purposes as our long-term missionaries who are on the field. One is not better than the other. One is not more valuable than the other. One is not more useful to God than the other. He's called each one of us to our particular careers, occupations, and he wants to empower each of us to do those. But again, for many of us, we leave that offer on the table. So here's what I want to do. I don't want to try to convince you to do something. I just want to invite you to experience something. I want to invite you to ask God to fill you specifically for the job he's put in front of you. If you're a student, that's to do school. That doesn't mean you're going to get all A's without having to try. This isn't about our effort or not. I'm not saying that we pray for God to fill us with his spirit and then we don't have to study or we don't have to work or we don't have to, it's not that at all. Zerubbabel, he's still, there's still a bunch of bricks that have to get moved and a bunch of bricks that have to get laid and a bunch of people that have to get organized. Like all that still has to be done. There's just a big difference between doing it in your own strength and doing it in the power of God. So here's, all you, here's what I would encourage you, the invitation. Acknowledge your need. And the longer you've been doing what you've been doing, the more difficult it may be for you to acknowledge your need. God, I need you in this. You may have a nice title on your business card, but God, I need you. I need your power to do this work. And then you ask, so God, would you fill me with your spirit to do this job? And then you move forward believing that he's done that. Whether you feel anything or not is irrelevant. Jesus says that 
we're not great fathers and we give good gifts to our kids when they ask. So how much more will our Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So whether you feel anything or not is irrelevant. It's moving out in faith and believing God answered, he answered my prayer because Jesus said he would. So this is how we're gonna close. We're gonna pray and then we give you an opportunity to come forward. We have these black pieces of tape here across the front. And if you want to, if, if this is kind of stirring something in your heart, and you're saying, yeah, I wanna be anointed for the work that God has called me to do. And again, I'm talking about your job, whether that's paid or unpaid. We want you to come and kneel. And our, we have some ministry team and staff and we'll come by and we'll make a cross on the outside of your hand with oil. And just like last week, we said the water wasn't magic. The oil's not magic either. It's just a symbol of the work of the Holy Spirit in you. And then once you've been prayed for, you can go back to your seat. Um, if all of the spots are full, just wait a minute. And when one comes available, you come forward and take that. So I'm gonna lead us all in prayer. And then I want you to respond um, as you feel led. And I would encourage you just, if you're willing, just to pray your version of this prayer in your heart. God, I confess that so often I do my job in my power and in my might. I rely on my education. I rely on my experience. I rely on my skills. I rely on my talent. I don't rely on your spirit. And I just confess that. And if I'm honest, I would say doing that, honestly, it's done okay for me. I've done pretty well. But God, in this moment and in this time, I want to acknowledge, I don't want to do that anymore. I pray that you would come and that you would fill me, that you would anoint me for the work that you've called me to. God, my prayer is for any who feel like their work is less than, that what they're doing doesn't matter, that it's trivial and inconsequential. I pray that you would give them a, a glimpse, a picture of how what they're doing is a part of what you're doing. It has value because you say so and because you've called them into that. God, I, I pray for each one of us that you would fill us. I pray that you would remind us daily to ask to be filled for the purposes of our work. This isn't a one-time deal. Ephesians says to continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. I would say it's a great prayer to pray before whatever your day looks like, right before you start it. God, would you anoint me to teach these kids English? Would you anoint me to... to see these patients, to manage these people, to work these deals, to build this house, to run this family, whatever it is that you do on a daily basis, God, would you anoint me to do this work? I don't want to do it in my own strength. I want to do it in the strength that you provide. So Holy Spirit, would you come now? In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, thank you guys for joining. I'm glad that we got to be able to listen uh, to David to, um, to look at Zechariah 4. And, and really, uh, Steve and I were, we were asking the Holy Spirit, 
show us what you want us to be able just to, to bring to the table, to be able to give you guys something to chew on, uh, to dwell on the rest of this week. Um, and for me, it, it was very clear. It seemed that um, I want to share with you that you matter, that the work and the things that God has brought to you to do, to spend time in, to invest your heart and your energy into, it matters. And the invitation is for us to be able to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, to be walking in alignment with God, that we, we can abide with Him when we allow Him to work through us, His power in our life. Um, and, and so I, I pray that, that that does stick and that does... Uh, empower you and give you boldness that it is not just you plodding along, but it is the Holy Spirit invite is moving through you when we uh, invite the Holy Spirit to guide us, to empower us each day. And so that's my takeaway. That's my application really for us to be able to do in the morning. Let's wake up each morning straight out of the bed. Holy Spirit, come. I want you to work through me. Invite him into your life. Steve? Yeah. And I was struck this week by the idea that uh, leaders have to be anointed. In this case, it was uh, Zerubbabel in terms of the temple project. But I think that's universal. Leaders of any kind need to be anointed. And then a couple of weeks ago, we learned that the priests that came to Jerusalem to rebuild were all recommissioned as priests. And David said that we are priests too. So here we are in this long of anointed, commissioned, and then we're going to work in His power rather than in our might or our power, the power of the Holy Spirit filling us. So I would, I would just pray this for all of us today that attended or are looking online, that we would do what David said and ask for us moment to moment to be filled with the Holy Spirit in anything we do. Uh, interactions with our family when we leave the house to go to work if we're coaching a sport if we're babysitting no matter what we do we see that as a ministry and we ask that God fill us with the Holy Spirit so that we can do his work day by day moment by moment amen all right so we're so glad you guys got to join us today uh, I hope that was helpful and we'll just uh, look forward to seeing you next time have a great day